Welcome to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. I'm D.T. Kane, author of the epic fantasy series The Agersfar Saga and The Spoken Books Uprising. Each week, I read from one of my novels, discuss my writing process, answer your questions, and have general discussions about fantasy fiction. It's like a book club, except I do all the work for you. Find show notes, info about all my novels, and much more at dtkane.com. Here's the show. Chapter 22 Baz still had his hands clapped over his ears, though it wasn't due to the whining of steel or the guttural howl that had just issued from outside. It was the voices. They were still indistinct, but if they'd been at the volume of a waterfall miles off moments earlier, now his head was in the waterfall, a cacophony of sound reverberating around the inside of his skull. Bastion? Baz realized his eyes were shut and opened them. Liana was crouched over him, eyes frantic, as if that hadn't been the first time she'd called his name. He found that focusing on her face subdued the voices somewhat, enough, at least, that he could hear. Oh, thank the scribes! Are you hurt? Maybe hit my head a little bit, he mumbled. Come on, she said in a tone he'd heard her use when tending to the retirees. He permitted her to help, really drag, him to one of the armchairs. Rather than get into the seat, he put his back against one of the legs and rested his head on the seat cushion. Why'd the Iron Dragon stop? he asked. He could barely hear his question over the thunderstorm of voices raging in his head. No idea, Liana replied. Here, let me get one of the lamps and take a look at your... The door to the cabin swung open, and Maeve's gnarled, yet somehow strikingly poised figure was framed in the entryway. The midwife's hair was wild, some of the yellow feathers braided into it bent and frayed, and her belt was still tied in all those seemingly nonsensical knots, but otherwise she seemed completely unaffected by the events of the past couple minutes. Oh, and she had the largest bow Bass had ever seen clutched in one hand. "'We have a problem,' she said in an unconcerned tone. "'What is that?' Bass waved a shaky hand with outstretched finger in the general direction of Maeve's bow. "'A big bow. Very helpful. Wait, where's Emma?' Liana glared at him, but Bass hardly noticed. "'Faw!' Maeve spat out the sound like a bit of chew. "'That's part of the problem.' Baz jumped to his feet, though that just sent the blood rushing to his head. He would have collapsed back to the floor if it hadn't been for the armchair. As it was, he sat down hard and partly on one of the arms, sending him sprawling onto the seat sideways. Don't worry your eyes, boy. Just a few bumps. She'll be all right, but out for a while. Which is a shame, because we could have used her. Maeve paused, pursing her lips at Liana. Her talents. I hope yours are as good as she said. The way she'd spoken talents left no doubt in Bez's mind what Maeve meant. Great. Someone else who could potentially reveal the secret that would get him killed. And Liana's sudden scowl strongly suggested that Maeve had just deepened her suspicions about Bez's foreknowledge of Emma. 
What do you mean? he asked the midwife. Actually, Baz wasn't entirely certain that's what she truly was. He'd never seen a midwife with a dagger clearly meant for killing, much less a bow. Faw! Again, that sound of discontent emanated from the back of Maeve's throat, a cross between a scoff and a soldier's spitting onto the cobbles. Emma told you what's down here? What else do you think could have stopped this rolling hunk of iron? You mean... I thought you said this thing was safe, Liana shouted. Maeve raised her shoulders like she'd just been told an unexpected rainstorm had ruined her plans for a walk. Always has been before. The iron dragon lurched again, sending Liana back to the floor and Baz scrabbling at the chair's leather to maintain a semblance of uprightness. Maeve's took her arms out to the side and kept her feet with seemingly little effort. Come on, boy. We'd better see what we can do. It'll get in before long. Don't be ridiculous, Liana said, pushing herself back to her feet. Without giving Maeve an opportunity to reply, she turned to Baz. Bastion, what is she talking about? I'm sure I don't know, Baz groaned, pushing himself back into a sitting position. His head felt like a barrel of wine that rolled down a hill. I certainly don't have any tricks up my robe that would stop a shadow breather, if that's really what it is out there. There's tools in the cargo hold for you, Maeve said. Tools? Baz mumbled, trying to rub some of the pain from his head. Maeve's eyes shifted back to Liana for a moment before rolling back to Baz, her eyebrows raised. Oh, tools, Baz said, ceasing his rubbing to look at the midwife. Right, look, Maeve, can you just, uh, handle it with that big bow of yours? I'm not sure what you think you know about me, but forget whatever it is. My first inclination when a dragon's about is to hide beneath the nearest rock. I'm not... Orbiter! For a moment, Bass thought it was the voices in his mind, and he clutched at the sides of his head. But this was different from the voices he'd been hearing since descending beneath Fable. First, he actually understood the word. Orator the name once given to those skilled in both reading and speaking before the burning. And while the voices he'd been hearing to this point had been numerous, they'd obviously been finite in number. This, though, had boomed as if every man, woman, and child in all oration had spoken all at once inside a vast cave. Orator! The new voice came again, seemingly from all directions at once. As Baz was trying to come to grips with this new madness that had overtaken his mind, Maeve came into the room and took a seat in the armchair across from Baz. She steepled her fingers in front of her face. Look, boy, as much as it burns my ears to say it, this bow is likely to be little more than a distraction to the beast out there. Baz swallowed, eyes darting to the bow. It looked large enough to use fence posts for arrows, and Maeve thought it wouldn't hurt whatever was out there? Maeve either didn't notice the blood draining from Baz's face or didn't care. And she, the midwife turned a contemptuous scowl at Liana, she might as well be a newborn babe for all the use she'll be. So it's either you come out there with me or we die. What'll it be? Baz stared at Maeve, waiting for her to say she was just joking. Of course she didn't mean for him to save them all. But she just sat there, fingers in a pyramid, her eyes like those of a panther staring from its den. 
Baz looked to Liana for some support. Her lips were set in a frown aimed at Maeve, but it was her eyes that Baz noticed, the helplessness that reflected in them. Great. Just great. He pushed out of his seat, grumbling nonsense to himself as he exited the room. Liana tried to ask him a question, presumably where he was going, but between the pounding at his temples, the lump on his skull, and the incoherent mutterings that still filled his mind, he didn't hear. He exited the cabin, turned, and threw open the door at the end of the hall, re-entering the cargo hold and approaching the bookshelf to consider his options. There were none. Four spoken books sat there, and they were all volumes of creation. Perhaps that wasn't surprising, given Emma was a creator, but he'd hoped there'd have been some other option. Baz shut his eyes and took a long breath before turning and permitting his eyes to fall on the book of shadow that still lay on the floor where he'd left it. He did his best to ignore that his hands were shaking as he picked it up and tucked it under his arm. Exiting the cargo hold, he found Liana in the hall. Her eyes widened as they fell upon the book he was carrying. What are you doing with that? Stay here, Baz said, trying to walk around her. She grabbed his arm, forcing him to stop. What are you planning to do? Throw that book at it? It's suicide, Bastion. The Iron Dragon shuddered again, even more violently than before. With the book under his arm, Baz was unable to brace himself and slammed into the wall. Liana sprawled completely to the ground. When Baz righted himself, he was staring directly down at her. It was likely the pain in his shoulder that brought the angry words to his mouth, but sometimes words said in anger hold the most truth. What, you think a slave can't save you? Liana blinked up at him. No, she stammered. Of course not. It's just... She looked away, her silence booming louder than the voice in his skull. I don't know much about friendship, Baz said. Not sure I've ever really had it. Tex is my brother, so he doesn't count. But I've always imagined that friends see the best in one another, and that they have faith. Not necessarily that the other will always succeed, or that they'll always be in the right, but at least that they'll try to do what's best for them. That's what I've always done for you. Bastion, Liana said, continuing to look anywhere but at him. Stay here. You don't want to see what's about to happen. He turned without waiting for a reply and exited the passenger compartment. Briefly, he stopped at the cab. Emma lay propped against one of the walls adjacent to the furnace. There was a bruise above one of her eyes, but her chest rose and fell with a steady rhythm. Let's go, boy! Baz looked over his shoulder. Maeve stood at the exit to the Iron Dragon, the giant bow in one hand, a quiver of arrows that emitted a rusty glow like heated steel strung across her back. I'll distract it best I can, but be quick! These old legs don't move like they used to. But I don't even figure it out! Maeve disappeared through the door that led outside, leaving Baz with no choice but to follow. It was dark, though not as pitch black as Baz would have expected. The tunnel held an odd sort of luminance, as if the walls themselves generated their own light. Not much, but enough to cast the whole area in a dim, greenish pall. 
it was sufficient to show that the Iron Dragon was surrounded by a floating murk that obscured visibility beyond a few feet. It hung in the air like smoke, though it swirled through space more quickly than the tunnel's complete lack of wind could possibly have caused. Slowly, the mist coalesced into a cloud of spikes and horror, two heliotrope eyes leering from above a void that glowed with violet flame. A storm cloud come to life. A shadow breather. Orator! Though the voice must have been coming from the creature that had merged into being before him, it still seemed to come from all around Baz, like a whole chorus stuck on a single off-key note. Illiterate ink! What was he doing out here? Why did he continue to place himself in these situations when all he ever wanted to do was keep breathing and be left alone? And where had Maeve gone? It was easy for her to tell him to figure it out when she wasn't the one standing nose to snout with a monster straight from nightmares. He had absolutely no idea what he could hope to do against this monstrosity. So he used the only defense available to him. He opened his mouth. You're smaller than I'd have thought. If the omnipresent specter of fog was offended, it gave no indication. You carry their foulness about you. I shan't permit you to pass. Baz tried not to clutch at his head as the voice rattled his teeth. Their foulness? What was it talking about? The Shadow Breather had placed an almost royal emphasis on the word there, as if it referred to a group about which Baz should obviously know. No need for insult, my incorporeal reptile. I know I haven't bathed for a few days, but is it really... Their taint is in you, that of those who seized my kind's realm and expelled us to this plane of static existence. The insult you offer by bringing their wicked filth to this place will not be tolerated. Be gone with you, conquered one! Bass slapped a hand over his mouth. The tone had been sardonic, not a rarity for Bass, but the voice had been oily and high-pitched like someone who was young and entitled and wealthy enough to back up such snobbery. It certainly hadn't been Baz's own voice. That hadn't been the first time such a thing had happened to Baz. Out on the peninsula in the darkness of Undertome, seven voices had absconded with his faculties of speech, abducting his body. But Tome was hundreds of miles from here. How could they be controlling him now? No! The Shadow Breather bellowed in Baz's mind, causing him to stumble backwards. The dragon went rigid, opening its jaws, and... A hole like a giant burning flower burst from the Shadow Breather's chest. It reeled back, the ground shaking as if heaven had fallen. From behind the beast, Baz could just make out Maeve, her matriarchal features illuminated by the cavern's olive glow. She was already knocking another of the lambent arrows. Mist floating above Maeve's head suddenly took the shape of a mighty barbed tail and slammed into the earth, spraying bits of gravel across the fuselage of the Iron Dragon, thousands of tiny pings reverberating about the enclosed space. 
Baz cowered down with hands over his head, slipping in the process and falling off the iron dragon. He slammed onto the hard-packed earth. After several wheezing breaths, he realized that he retained the ability to command his own body, so he wasn't entirely consumed as he had been in undertone. He pushed himself up, eyes darting back to where Maeve had stood. Had the dragon hit her? He didn't know, and there was no time to go check. The shadow breather bellowed, its itinerant face angling skywards and belching cordovan flame into the air above Baz's head, illuminating the tunnel as if the heavens really had crashed through the earth and brought the sun with them. Baz flung open the shadow book to the same page that had nearly devoured him earlier. The cavern's ambient glow was just sufficient to make out the ebony words that flowed across the page like blood freshly spilled. He began to speak, words unlike any he'd uttered before, hisses and moans combined with odd pauses and abrupt interjections. The taste of iodine and sweat filled his mouth, his throat contracting until Baz thought he might lose the ability to breathe. The same feeling as when he'd read the words in the cargo hold began to tug at his mind, a haze settling over his consciousness. His tongue slipped over a word. Agony shot through his tongue, reverberating down his spine. That brought his mind back to the present, and Baz redoubled his focus, plowing onward through the reading. He took the memory of the haze the book had imposed upon his own mind earlier and concentrated the thought toward the shadow breather. The dragon's mouth gaped like a castle gate, the contents within ablaze. It had fully manifested now, dark scales glittering against violet flame that showed through a still translucent body covered in barbs and black slime. The fire burning within the thing's chest built until it was too bright to behold. Not that Baz was looking. His eyes remained fixed on the words and the image in his mind of the dragon being consumed by whatever force it was that sought to leap from the book's pages and excoriate whoever was unlucky enough to be within its proximity. A slash of amethyst light suddenly appeared between Baz and the Shadow Breather, as if a god had swung its saber and ruptured the air itself. The Shadow Breather howled again, though it seemed softer than the ones prior. Its body began to sublimate once more, the dark mists sucked into the airborne wound like smoke up a chimney. Baz finished the spell with a frenzy and looked up from the book in time to see the Shadow Breather's twin eyes wink out. Just before the slash in the air disappeared, it spoke one final time. I will find you. Then it was gone, the only evidence it had ever been there at all, a single ebony scale the size of a kite shield that lay steaming on the cavern floor. Baz slammed the book shut and dropped it to the earth, then slumped back against the iron dragon, gasping for air. His mouth felt as if he'd sucked on hot coals, and both his eyelids were spasming from not having blinked for the duration of the reading. He turned on shaky legs to climb back onto the iron dragon. He looked up, reaching for a rung on the ladder attached to the vehicle's side, but his hand froze halfway to grabbing hold of it. Liana was standing in the iron dragon's entryway.
Chapter 23 For nearly as long as he could remember, Baz had feared this moment. He'd played it through his head countless times, how someone would react if they learned the truth about him. It had happened to him once already, of course. Deliritus had acted about how Baz had expected when he'd found out, equal parts terrified and appalled. Of late, Baz had been particularly worried Deliritus might reveal his secret and Liana would find out. Would she be horrified? Frightened? Disgusted? But as Baz looked at Liana, standing there in the doorway of the Iron Dragon, he saw none of those things. Rather, it was disappointment that glistened in her eyes. A single damp streak left a trail down one of her cheeks. He looked away from her, feeling his own eyes begin to moisten. I told you to stay in there, he said. His voice was hoarse from the speaking, but he knew that wasn't the only thing causing the lump in his throat. I should have known, she murmured. Baz didn't look up, but he knew her eyes hadn't left him. He could feel her stare. No speaker could have done what you claimed during the trials. Baz laughed bitterly, running the back of his hand beneath his nose as he looked up. Funny thing is that, he motioned at the book of shadow he'd dropped, had nothing to do with it. Just a whole bunch of scribes' luck. Liana's lips came together, and anger overtook the sadness in her stare. Even now you're a liar! Baz's shoulders dropped, but he didn't bother to say anything. Nothing would make her believe him. How did you keep it secret from... Her question died away, eyes growing wide. Deliritus knows. Scribes help us all. The winner of the trials isn't just a fraud. He's a felon. Now wait just a minute, Baz said. I didn't say a thing about Deliritus. He's dumb as a donkey. He doesn't. Liana went on as if Baz wasn't talking. This is it. I thought revealing his farce might be enough. But this? They'll have to elevate me to Master Restorer once I reveal this. What do you mean? Baz asked. But even as he did so, a mountain's worth of realization crashed onto his shoulders. It was you. You told Farston about the trials. And that means... Despite his rage at Liana's admission, a tear dropped from Baz's eye, splatting to the rocky ground. You were never my friend. That isn't true, Liana murmured. Momentarily, she looked hurt, but the expression quickly passed. And I don't have to explain myself to a cuss. Just like that, Baz snapped. After all our time spent together, the laughs, the bossing me about with a smile hidden behind your hand, the whatever that was we had in the cabin earlier, I'm just another dirty cuss to you now. It's the law, Bastion. Her glare might have softened slightly, but not enough to provide even an inkling of hope. It's the only way we have to avoid another burning after the scribe's great work failed. Keep the power separate. Neither reader nor speaker alone can unleash the power of the spoken books. So long as that strict division holds, we remain safe. Don't be stupid, Liana. Even if that is true, we've simply traded one terror for another. Instead of another burning, we live in a world where a select few lord power over the rest. Even you, Liana. 
you and the rest of the conservators are controlled by the readers. Don't you dare compare me with you, you who would see the world burn rather than accept that we all must do our part to keep it safe. Until now, I'd have found it upsetting to turn you into the Conservatorian fortune, but now you've eased my... Liana's head jerked to one side, and she crumpled to the platform in front of the Iron Dragon's entrance. Behind her stood Emma, a spoken book in hand. Her face was white as a book dragon's hide, the bruise on her forehead seeming an angry ink blot upon a page, but her voice was steady enough. I couldn't take any more of that, Baz. How could you submit yourself to letting her speak to you so? What did you do to her? Emma's brows raised. First of all, you're welcome. Second, while the powers within spoken books have many uses, they work equally well as blunt objects, given the right context. You hit her? Emma shrugged. Be happy I didn't stab her. Before he could respond further, Maeve spoke from behind Baz. She figured it out, I see. Baz turned to the old midwife. A rivulet of blood stained the wrinkled skin of her left cheek, and the hem of her dress was torn. But she looked remarkably well for someone who'd appeared to have taken the full impact of a dragon's tail swipe. She figured out enough, Emma said. I don't think she'd worked out what I really am, but she knows about Baz. That was incredible, by the way. Baz had been in the process of lifting himself back onto the Iron Dragon to check on Liana, but stopped halfway up the ladder that led up to the platform where Emma stood over Liana's still form. What? he asked. The reading, Emma said, looking at the old woman. I think even Maeve was impressed. Faw, I've seen better. It'd be more accurate to say I'm surprised he's still breathing. Mother wrote the Book of the Void herself. Emma's expression turned thoughtful, then troubled. Actually... She always said it was a death sentence to read from it. Only reason it's on the Iron Dragon is she figured it was better to kill yourself than be taken prison by a shadow breather. Baz looked over his shoulder to the volume he'd used to banish the shadow breather to wherever it was he'd sent it. Even before Emma had spoken, he'd had no intention of ever touching the thing again. Now he didn't even want to look at it. Judging from the sudden wave of nausea that passed through him, he figured his face must be white as Emma's. Are you going to finish the job, or do I need to do it? As she spoke to Emma, Maeve slid the fanged dagger from her belt and stepped toward the iron dragon. Emma's face paled further, but Baz forgot his own nausea and flew up the ladder's remaining rungs. He crouched down beside Liana, putting his body between her and both Maeve and Emma. Put that thing away, he said, glaring down at Maeve. You're not going to kill her. Oh, don't be sentimental. Baz flinched back. He hadn't thought one with so many years capable of injecting such vitriol into her tone. But he recovered quickly. She's my friend. Emma scoffed beside him. Were you not listening to a thing she just said? She means to turn you in, Baz. That's little different than her running a blade across your neck. Baz looked down to Liana's still form. He'd heard what she'd said all right, and that look in her eyes would be with him always, haunting his dreams. But staring down at her, 
he didn't see anyone other than the girl he'd grown up with, the one companion he'd had after Tax's brutalization, the only person he'd ever... You'll have to kill me, too, Baz murmured. You're making me wish I could. Maeve put one foot on the ladder. Baz had just ascended. Could? Baz saw little that could stop her if she really wished to make him a corpse. Maeve, Emma said. Stop. Put your heart away, girl, Maeve snapped. What we're working for is bigger than him. We can't risk our secret. I said no, Emma said. She was looking at Baz now. Take her in the back. I'll give you some rope to tie her down to one of the beds. Baz glared up at Emma. I won't do that to her. It's that, or I let Maeve at her with Mother's choice. Your decision. He looked at Maeve's dagger, which she'd slid back into her knotted belt to climb the ladder. The old woman's glare was so sour, he worried she might be considering using the knife on Emma as well. But when Baz nodded assent, Maeve gave a disgusted grunt, spat to one side, and stalked away, disappearing around the far side of the Iron Dragon. Baz wished he could just disappear altogether. Hello everyone, welcome back to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Today is December 4th, 2022. As I record this, which is episode number 20 of season 2 of the podcast, and episode number 47 overall. Uh, we've had a few weeks here of kind of, uh, I guess transitional chapters would be one way to describe them, but certainly some serious action here and some uh, some revelations uh, as well. Uh, we go from, well first we meet a shadow breather for the first time, kind of a horrifying incorporeal beast uh, that Baz manages to defeat with that shadow book. Uh, and then, you know, we go from last chapter to, you know, Baz and Liana finally maybe uh, admitting their feelings for one another to uh, Liana horrified to find out that Baz can read. Um, you know, we know that's probably not going to end well, so we'll see how that develops over the next uh, chapters here in the coming weeks. Uh, let's see. Let's figure out next week's reading assignment. All right, so 24 and 25 next week. Uh, we're going to get a little bit of uh, backstory from Emma uh, next week. And um, then Maeve is going to lose it a bit. <laughs> so uh, tune in next week to, to hear about that. Uh, all right, so other than that, I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving last week. Had a successful, well, I had a successful uh, running race. Ran my fastest 5K to date. And then, of course, I ate lots of food and spent some time with friends and family. So good time for me. <clears throat> uh, I also successfully completed National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo. Uh, I totaled 60,911 words. In the month of November, the goal was 50,000, so definitely eclipsed that. And I actually managed to hit my uh, my par goal of 1,667 words every day. Uh, you know, that's uh, 50,000 divided by 30 is 1,667, so that's what you have to average um, per day to get the goal. So I did that. It was a good, good writing month overall. 
And let's see. Uh, Into the Dragon's Maw, part five of the Spoken Books Uprising, is now over 80,000 words. Or I should say the first draft of it is over 80,000 words. Let's see. It is at 83,706 right now. So that's moving along here. Release date sometime in winter of next year. Um, stay tuned for the exact time of that. Uh, I still have to nail down, well, I have to finish writing it first. <laughs> and then I have to nail down when exactly my editor will be available. So stay tuned for that. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, if you're a newsletter subscriber, you saw my DT Kane's holiday gift guide this week. Uh, I'm selling a few things uh, over on my PayHip store. PayHip's a, a website that lets me sell directly to you. Um, so it cuts out the distributors like Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and, and those others. Uh, that helps me because it cuts down on transaction costs, which frankly means that I get to keep more of each sale. But um, it does not cost you any more money. In fact, it in some cases saves you money because instead of having to pay more of my uh, profits over to Amazon or one of the other big retailers, uh, I get to keep more of it, and that means I can sell it for less and still make the same or even more profit, even though you are getting it for less. Uh, so if you're interested in checking that store out, it is payhip.com slash DTKane. Payhip is P-A-Y-H-I-P dot com slash DTKane. Uh, I'm selling some signed copies of the Actus Trials over there. Also some signed first editions. I've only got about eight of those left. So, uh, you know, if you want to uh, gamble on me becoming uh, the next George R. R. Martin or something someday, you know, pick up that first edition. Could be a good investment. And, uh, you know, even if I uh, only ever make it to a middling author, at least you can say that you uh, helped support me in my uh, my uh, starting off days. So there you go. Uh, also, uh, the ebook version of, well, it's only an ebook, but the, the Spoken Books Uprising box set one, so that's books one, two, and three in ebook form, that is available on my PayHip store as well for $3.99 right now. Um, it's probably going to go up to $4.99 after the holidays, but if you're you're listening to this before 2023, it'll be $3.99, and again, that's payhip.com slash dtkane. Thank you for your support. Okay, um, I think that's just about it. So uh, I got our fantasy quote of the week here this week. Uh, this was another one submitted by Jan. Thank you, Jan, for supporting the uh, the show in, in more ways than one. Jan is also a, uh, a Patreon supporter, uh, along with Jason, Patty, and Diane. So thank you very much to all my patrons. And Jan, thank you again for submitting a quote. Uh, this one's from an author I wasn't uh, familiar with. Uh, Brielle D. Porter, or Briella, sorry, I'm not exactly sure, not exactly sure how she pronounces her first name, B-R-I-E-L-L-E. -E. Uh, this is from her book, Jester, Brielle D. Porter. There is magic in words, power in persuasion, a subtle difference between the words melancholy and sad can unravel a kingdom. Learn to use words with the precision of a sword, and you will have more magic at your disposal than Gantrick the Great. And uh, my little essay here, as always. <clears throat> 
what would you do if I told you there's a simple way to both become smarter and more persuasive? Probably either beg me for the answer or tell me I'm chasing a carbolic smokeball. But I'm neither a genius nor a charlatan. The answer, as I said, is simple. Reading and writing. These, in my estimation, are the greatest skills any person can foster. One can learn just about anything from books, and writing is the best way to both impress and convince, but also, in the case of bad writing, destroy your credibility. Now, I said it was simple, not easy. One must make the time for both of these endeavors. Not easy in today's fast-paced world obsessed with instant gratification. And writing in particular is a skill that takes years to learn and master. And yet, it is time well invested, as no skills will serve you better. Effective written communication is vital in many aspects of life. Everything from simple work emails, to job applications, to winning arguments. And there's no better way to improve your writing, aside, perhaps, from putting your butt in the chair and actually doing it, than reading. As Stephen King has said, if you don't have time to read, you don't have the time or the tools to write. Simple as that. But if you take the time to nurture these skills, then Miss Porter is correct. You will have powers greater than those of any wizard. Um, There's our quote of the week and our essay. Again, Jan, thanks for submitting that one. I always like uh, getting quotes from, uh, from listeners. Uh, I always, sometimes I worry I'm just picking kind of similar sounding quotes each week when I leave it to myself, so I, I like to get them from my listeners. Uh, also, if you're not familiar with a carbolic smoke ball, that is from a, a famous, famous case in contract law. Uh, it was a rubber ball, basically, that you filled with smoke and then squeezed it, and it would allegedly cure the flu. Unsurprisingly, it did not, so, uh, when I said in the first line there that I'm chasing a carbolic smoke ball, I am, uh, you know, chasing something that doesn't exist. Uh, Okay, so that is all for this week. So I hope you all have a uh, a great week coming up here. Again, we'll be reading chapters 23 and 24 of The Claimer's Discovery next week. So until then, this has been D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Thanks for listening to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. If you liked today's episode, please consider rating and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, give this video a thumbs up if you liked it and hit that subscribe button and the bell so you get notified whenever new episodes become available. If you'd like to listen to back episodes or review the show notes, visit dtkane.com podcast. DTKane's novels are available for purchase at most major online retailers, or you can purchase directly from his website at www.dtkane.com slash books. You can receive a free short story and sign up for DTKane's mailing list at dtkane.com slash email dash sign up. If you'd like to connect, you can find DTKane on Facebook at DTKane Author or Twitter at DTKane Author or send DTKane an email at DTKane at DTKane.com. See you next week!